Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Um, it's been a big series, hasn't it? It's been seven weeks of us going through the book of James, hearing how faith at work, uh, how when we put our faith to work, it is faith that works. Uh, all, all through this series, we've had a look at the faith at work perseveres under pressure, it, it listens and obeys, it uses words to build up and bless, it resists conformity, it loves extravagantly, and it gives generously. And today, we're finishing our series with the idea that love at work, uh, faith at work uh, prays powerfully. Uh, we're going to jump straight into Scripture today, but if you've got your Bible here, I'd love you to open it up. So the, you can actually click online in the chat, you can open up your Bible app there, but rip out your Bible today, or it will be on the screen behind me, to James chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 13. It's near the very end of the letter, and uh, the writer of, uh, of James, James says this, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Let them sing, uh, if anyone is happy, let them sing songs of praise. If anyone among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And we see that this idea of the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We see powerful and effective prayer all across Scripture. Actually, in James, if you look in your Bible, the next few verses after this, James talks about the example of Elijah who prayed earnestly uh, that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three years, three and a half years, in fact. And again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Uh, We also hear the examples in Scripture of the fervent and ever-present prayer of a woman called Hannah. In 1 Samuel, she was unable to have a child. Despite her years of grief and unimaginable sadness, her faithfulness in going to the house of the Lord to pray every day saw her prayer answered, and then she became pregnant with Samuel. Jesus himself prayed often. He seemed to have an insatiable appetite to want to pray often. He often sought constant places of seclusion to pray on his own, but he was always willing to be interrupted to show compassion to God's people. Peter, in the New Testament, asked the early church to pray for him continuously while he was imprisoned. The power of prayer set him free from that prison cell, similar to the power of prayer that rescued Silas and Paul as well. We can flip through page after page in our Bible and see powerful prayer that changes the lives of Abraham, who even prayed for the salvation of his enemies in Sodom. We see the prayer of Joshua, Jabez, David, Hezekiah, who was really, really unwell about to die. He prayed a prayer of faith and was given 15 extra years of his life. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Jairus, who prays that Jesus would heal his daughter. Page after page after page of powerful and effective prayer. And I don't think it's any coincidence that this prayer series is happening this year. We spent the first term looking at the Lord's Prayer. We're spending this week now looking at uh, the powerful and effective prayer that James talks about in James. When we put our faith into action, it looks like powerful prayer. 
I think God is encouraging us as a church here at Gateway, but here globally as well, to turn up our volume and our practice and our desire to pray powerfully for not just things happening in our life, but happening right across the globe. All we have to do is look at what's happening in Afghanistan and see the power of prayer that has brought the church to its knees to pray on behalf of people we will likely never, ever meet. And there's the temptation for naysayers to say, uh, you're only just offering prayer as well wishes and platitudes that mean absolutely nothing, except that we as Christians believe audaciously and have confidence to believe that somehow prayer can change situations, change circumstances, it can change anything and everything. We believe that when we bring our prayer before God, something happens in the spiritual realms that prayer has the ability and capacity to bring transformation to our lives and those around us. We believe that prayer changes me, prayer changes us, prayer changes everything. Do you believe it? Except that sometimes, if, if we're honest, our prayer doesn't seem powerful. Our prayer doesn't seem effective. Prayer can seem like hard work. It feels like our prayers are repetitive, empty, powerless, meaningless and ineffective. When we've prayed for healing for a friend or a family member or even ourselves and negative test results keep coming back time and time again, but we keep on praying, this is hard work. When we've prayed earnestly for a loved one to return to faith, and all that we've seen them do is make poor decision after poor decision that drives them further away from us and further away from God. But we keep on praying. This is hard work. When we've prayed in desperation for a child to be conceived that we would love without measure, but we still haven't seen this come to pass, but we keep on praying. This is hard work. The hard work of prayer in this when it feels like our prayer isn't being heard and we're not seeing God move in our life is hard. And it requires a spiritual persistence that's hard to come by for us to keep praying on our knees. And the temptation is for us to just give up, give up praying because we can't see our prayer answered. E.M. Bounds was a chaplain in the American Civil War and he writes a prayer, and no one prays like this anymore. No one, no one writes like this anymore. Just listen to this. To go through the motion of praying is a dull business, he says, though not a hard one. To say prayers in a decent, delicate way is not heavy work. But to pray, to really pray till hell feels the ponderous stroke. To pray till the iron gates of difficulty are opened, till the mountains of obstacles are removed, till the mists are exhaled and the clouds are lifted and the sunshine of a cloudless day brightens. This is hard work. But it's God's work and humankind's best endeavour. Never was the toil of hand, head and heart less spent in vain than when praying. It is hard to wait and press and pray to hear no voice, but still Wait till God answers. The joy of answered prayer is the joy of a travailing mother when a child is born into the world. The joy of a slave whose chains have been burst asunder and to whom new life and liberty have come. No one writes like this anymore. It's beautiful, isn't it? 
How do we today, as God's people, as His church, as Christians, have a prayer that's powerful and effective that Ian Bounce talks about here until hell feels the ponderous stroke, until the iron gates of difficulty are burst open? How do we pray with power, powerfully and effectively? And at the beginning of the year, we spent a whole term looking line by line at the Lord's Prayer. But prayer is not a series we do and tick off in our year. Prayer that is powerful is something that we can ask for and practice and grow in if we follow the one who's teaching us how to do it. Jesus is the master teacher on prayer. So this morning, we're gonna revisit the lesson. Uh, We're gonna look to Luke chapter 11, verses one to 13. Now, this is a slightly different version than the Matthew version of the Lord's Prayer we looked at at the beginning of the year. But I'd love it if you could invite you just to open your Bible right now, or pull it up on your Bible app, because we're gonna spend a bit of time looking through the the motion of this this chapter here. Uh, Jesus teaches on prayer, and he begins in verse one of chapter 11 of Luke's gospel saying this. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey who's come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside the door answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is Jesus' teaching on prayer. This is prayer that is powerful and effective. And today I wanna unpack just three ideas on Jesus' teaching here on prayer that helps us explore the key to powerful and effective prayer that James talks about in his writings. Firstly, we see that when Jesus teaches on prayer, he teaches us that powerful and effective prayer begins with God. And I know what you're thinking. Duh, Brad, of course it does, right? We always begin our prayer with, Lord Jesus, dear God. It's the start of our prayer. And it might seem like a no-brainer, but it is front and center of Jesus' teaching here. And we gloss over it far, far too quickly. And I think if we're honest today, for many of us, prayer begins with our own needs, our own wants, and our own desires. God, help me find that car park. I'm in a rush. God, give me strength to deal with that annoying person at work. 
God, show me what you want me to do with my life. Show me if I should apply for this job. God, give me everything I need to pay my bills, to find that job, to find a partner, earn respect from friends and family. Though these prayers begin with the word God. God, help me. And not all of these prayers are necessarily bad. They are still self-focused prayer. But Jesus' prayer begins, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And other translations add, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we begin our prayer? How do you begin your prayer? Do we begin our prayer glorifying God, giving him the honor and hallowing his name, so to speak? Or do we just do a sentence at the beginning of our prayers? Hey God, you're good. Now help me with this. Do we start our prayer trying to forget about ourselves and remember our creator and our savior? How often is that the only focus of our prayer? When was the last time we honestly prayed to God when we didn't need or want something? When was the last time you just stopped and focused your attention squarely on him? Asking him for nothing in return. When was the last time we spent time meditating on his nature, the way he loves, his kindness, his timing, the gift that both Jesus and the Holy Spirit are to us as his people? When was the last time your prayer began with, consisted entirely of and finished with God? If your answer is anything like mine, it's probably not that often. My prayers become so insipid with the idea that I just come to God with something I need. The answer to most of these questions for all of us would be, we don't often pray, God, you are good, and we just bask in the presence of our Savior who wants nothing from us other than to just love, let us be loved by him. When we begin our prayer with God, what happens? We begin, even without asking, to align ourselves back with God again, with our Creator and the one who gave everything for us. We begin to see God, ourselves, and the world entirely differently. Our prayers, our thoughts, and our actions become aligned with God. So that when I read, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it changes my prayer life and turns from myself to what God will provide me and give to me if I ask him. But rather, my prayer becomes about God, how he loves, how he loves me, how he loves us, how he loves everyone. Prayer like this makes me want to spend my life, all the days of my life, for the things of the kingdom of God. Things like forgiveness, grace, joy, peace, patience, wholeness. To break through the walls of injustice that we've built ourselves or allowed to be built around us that separates people from each other and God. And to break through them so that God's will and his kingdom come and his will be, be done might just flood through the walls we break down. It wants me to spend my life on behalf of that rather than just seeking a car parking space. This process of becoming um, aligned with God and his will and his love for us is what, Paul, uh, is what James talks about when he says, a righteous person's prayer is powerful and effective. When I center my life on God and my prayer begins with God, his light and love naturally shines a light on the sin, 
the shame and the dark places, I want to hide away in the back of my spirit in my life. And I find myself in a safe place to confess my sin, ask for forgiveness for my sin. And because of Jesus' love and his love for me, I am realigned with God and I become in right relationship with him. And I seek to become in right relationship with others. Only by being righteous, in right relationship with God and in right relationship with others can my prayer be powerful and effective. In Luke, feel free to open up again. Jesus continues teaching on prayer by telling a parable of a persistent neighbor asking for bread in the middle of the night. And the parable shows us that powerful and effective prayer is persistent. We often hear and read this verse and think, if you just keep praying, eventually God's gonna grow tired of your whinging and complaining and give you everything you've been asking for. But that's not what this says at all. That's not what this verse says at all. In his book titled Prayer, Philip Yancey unpacks a bit of the cultural context for us. That this story of a crotchety neighbour would have provoked smiles and chuckles and outrage from a first century audience. See, one night a man opens his door to an unexpected guest at his door. He appears late one night. And if we think about it, this makes a lot of sense. Uh, Living in a desert culture, you don't travel by the heat of the day you travel by the cool of the night. So someone, a stranger knocking on the door late at night wouldn't be that out of, the, out of the ordinary. Except that he finds his pantry to be completely empty. He's got no food. Now, in a culture that's known for and practices hospitality, to turn away weary traveller is a big no-no. But to even bring them into your home and send them to bed without their supper is worse. It's not even an option. So to be a good host... This person heads out, knocks on his neighbor's door to ask for some bread. Now, it's important to note uh, for people in Israel and Palestine, even today, uh, that bread is used very differently than what we use bread for. See, he's not just asking for a a slab of bread with some peanut butter to chuck on it and have a midnight snack. Uh, They use bread more like crockery and cutlery as part of a communal meal. See, they break off bite-sized pieces of bread, dip it into a, a common bowl of meat and vegetables, and they eat it all together. They eat it like with their crockery and cutlery is their bread. So if this is the case, he's asking for bread, to borrow from one's neighbour is probably not just asking for a slice of bread. He's probably asking for everything to make a meal. All the ingredients you need to kind of put it together. This is what he's really asking for. And in Jesus' story, as he so often does, he flips the story as to what's expected. The neighbour outrageously refuses the request to help this man with his hospitality issue. He's already gone to bed, bolted the door. I'm in bed, get out of it. Now, just a quick poll in the room. If a neighbour came and knocked on your door at 11pm at night, who's likely to open up the door and make them a casserole? Anyone? Not really. Maybe there's a problem with that. Maybe we need to make more midnight casseroles. But I reckon that for, for, for me, I know that I love sleep so much. I'm often tagged with being someone who can sleep anywhere. I'm often asleep on planes before takeoff. I had to be woken up in the middle of a flight once to say, we're about to land, sir. Can you please get ready to move to let other people out of the aisle? I just, I just have, a, have a knack of sleeping and I love my sleep. And I can imagine we've just moved house. If my new neighbours knocked on my door at 11 o'clock at night and said, uh, Brad, uh, we've actually just run out of stuff for a house party. Uh, can you please whip us up a quick meal or bake as a casserole, I'd be like, no way. I'd probably even put the covers over my head and pretend that I didn't even hear the door knocking. Anyone with me? 
But this is outrageous to the first century hearers of Jesus' story. Don't bother me, this neighbour says. I'm already asleep. I can't get up uh, and give you anything. My bed, my mat's too comfy. Just go away. The Middle Eastern audience would have heard Jesus tell this story and laughed out loud, knee-slappingly hard. Um, Jesus was asking, can you imagine such a neighbour? Certainly not, they would reply. No one in our village would act so rudely. If they did, the entire village would know about it by the morning and they'd be ridiculed. This is not what happens in the culture. But this is where Jesus delivers the punchline. I tell you, though he will not get up and give, you, give him the bread because he's a friend, yet because of the, more, more, the man's audacity, his boldness, his shamelessness, his persistence, they will get up and give him as much as he needs. Jesus is drawing a sharp contrast between the reluctant, crotchety neighbor on one hand and God the Father on the other. If a cranky neighbor who has turned in for the night, who wishes for nothing more than that you would just go away and stop bugging him, finally caves and rouses to give you what you want because of your persistent asking, how much more will God respond to your persistence in prayer and answer your prayer? This is the point Jesus is making. After all, what earthly father would sneak a snake under his son's pillow when he asked for a fish or drop a scorpion in his daughter's breakfast plate when she asked for an egg? Keep pounding on the door, Jesus is saying. Keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking for it. Ask and it will be given to you, he says. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So if I'm persistent in my prayer, God will give me everything I need because God loves to give good gifts to his children, right? 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 Philippians 4, 6 tells us, don't be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So it's tempting to think that these verses are telling us that if we keep knocking on God's door, and bringing our request to him in prayer that he will eventually give us everything we've asked for. But read the end of Jesus' teaching here in Luke uh, chapter 11, verse 13. It says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He doesn't say, how much more will you give everything they ever wanted to them? It's not what Jesus says. He will give the gift of the Holy Spirit to him. See, powerful and effective prayer is filled with the Spirit. We aren't told we'll get all we want or what we've been striving to pray for, but we are told we will be given exactly what we need, the Holy Spirit. I may not directly get the answer to prayer that I'm asking for, but I will always, every time, without question, get the gift of the Holy Spirit if I ask. That's what Jesus is saying here. In prayer, we present our requests to God repeatedly, persistently, in faith, till our knees are callous and our eyes are scratchy from tears. And then we put ourselves in a state to receive the answer, to receive the result. We pray for what God wants to give us, which may turn out to be a good gift, and an answer to prayer, or it might turn out to be the Holy Spirit. And I tell you what, in God's eyes, the gift of the Holy Spirit is a better answer to prayer than anything. Like Paul, we might pray for healing and instead get humility. 
And as a result, we get gifted with half the New Testament. Like Peter, we might, pray, we might be hungry and pray for food, but instead we get a harsh lesson in racism. And that helps break open the gospel for all nations with which we are recipients of today. We may ask for relief from trials and difficult circumstances, but instead the Holy Spirit gives us patience to bear them. We may pray for release from an awful workplace, but instead the Holy Spirit gives us strength to endure and redeem relationships for the time that we are there. Asking, seeking and knocking in prayer has an effect on God, Jesus tells us. But it also has a lasting effect on the knocker, the seeker and the asker. Henry Nouwen says, prayer is not what is done by us, but rather what is done by the Holy Spirit in us. We pray powerfully and effectively when we put God at the centre and first of our prayer. We pray, pray powerfully and effectively when we persist in trial and circumstance with our prayer, we have persistent prayer and our prayer is effective, powerful and effective. When we receive the Holy Spirit and ask the Spirit to pray on our behalf. But persistent prayer on its own that storms heaven and shakes the gates of hell isn't enough, or at least not according to James at least. The whole letter of James is about putting our faith to work, about putting our faith in action, including our prayer that our faith would come, make us come alive and make us impact the world if we put it into action, that we become an answer to prayer for someone everywhere, every day. What happens? Families are redeemed. Workplaces are transformed. The dark corners of our world are lit up and the light and love of God shines through into those places. So rather than me preach for much longer, and spend time preaching today, I actually love for us to embody what this whole series has been about, to put our faith to work here this morning, to spend some time putting God first in our prayer, to spend some time praying on behalf of those in our community, nation and world who just need the light of Jesus today. There's an invitation to practice powerful and effective prayer together as God's people. So right where you are, whether you're online or in the room right now, I wanna invite you just to posture yourself. Ian Bounds, the quote we heard before, his whole book is about assuming the posture of prayer. So right now, I wanna invite you just to close your eyes and make yourself comfortable and position yourself before God. This might be a strange thing for you you've never done. I wanna encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, ask God to turn up here today because He's already here wanting to be involved in your life, wanting to speak hope and love into your life here today. So I want to invite you just to close your eyes and put your hands out in front of you as a posture to receive the Holy Spirit today. And begin to picture God above everything in your life. 
begin to, to bring words to your mind and your heart about the character and nature you know of God. About His unending love. About His generous kindness. About the grace that He pours out on your life. Of the forgiveness that He is willing to offer all creation through what He did with Jesus on the cross. yourself aligned with God ready to receive everything that he might want to pour out into your life right now and begin to honour him with your words and your heart God you are good you are kind you are faithful you are generous You are powerful. You are strong. With your hands outstretched, I'd invite us to pray a prayer that the church has been praying for centuries. Three simple words. Come, Holy Spirit. 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 Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us today. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak through our prayer today. Come, Holy Spirit. And begin to change lives here today. Begin to change my life, our life, and everyone's lives here today. Come, Holy Spirit. One of the ways we can put our faith into action is what James describes. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. They have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, anointing with oil is nothing super special, it's just oil. But it's been used a number of times in Scripture. In the Old Testament, it was primarily used to consecrate or sanctify priests or kings as holy for their commissioned task. In 1 Samuel 16, 13, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. But when Jesus enters the story, he breaks this open and the anointing is available to the sick, the poor, the lost and the hurting. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples and it says, They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. And this became the practice of the early church. And a command we see here in the book of James. Today, anointing with oil is commonly used in traditional, contemporary, conservative and liberal denominations all alike. Because anointing with oil marks us and declares that God has power over our lives to heal, 
to make us holy, to forgive our sins and to commission us and send us out into God's kingdom work and ministry in our families, our workplace and right around the globe. So today we wanna invite you to put your faith into action and step out in faith and come down the front and seek the anointing of our elders and to pray for you. I should like to invite our elders and our prayer team and our pastor team just to come forward. There is oil in the front here. If you are online, there are people ready to pray for you in the chat right there. All you need to do is click that request prayer button. Come now, elders. Come now, prayer team. We're going to spread right across the front here and there'll be space for you to come and pray with someone. Maybe you've been travailing with a health condition for too long. Don't let this moment pass you by. Take it as a moment to come and pray with someone and ask them to pray with you and anoint you with oil that you might have this moment as a moment marked in time to say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit and heal my broken heart, my broken body and our broken world. I invite you to come as we begin to sing. Come down the front. Don't let this moment pass you by. We've got plenty of our prayer team here to line up. Don't let this moment pass, friends. Don't let the fear of doing something we may not do normally on a Sunday pass by. Because we're the church. There's no better place to come and confess our sin and no better place to come and have our hurts healed than here amongst people who love God. There is no better place than this for God to do a miraculous work in your life than right here. And I can't promise that He's gonna heal every hurt and broken part in your body right here, right now. But I can promise as the Word says, the Holy Spirit will come and speak to you and be with you. So I invite you today, why don't we all stand to our feet? But if this is a moment that you don't wanna pass by to get this anointing from God and the Holy Spirit, don't let it pass you by as we begin to sing. Come friends. The Holy Spirit is here wanting to do a miraculous work in us as God's people today. Come, everything is prepared. I've seen what you can do, O God of wonders. Your power has no end. The things you've done before in greater measure you will do again cause there's no prison wall you can't break through no mountain you can't move all things are possible and there's no broken body you can't raise no soul that you can't save all things are possible the darkest night you can light it up you can light it up oh god of revival let hope arise death is overcome you've already won oh god of revival morning, I just want to invite you, I just want to invite you, if you feel like your heart is to pray for someone else, I invite you to come down to and grab some oil from the front pew to pray for someone. This morning, this, this isn't something holy that only the elders do, it's actually the priesthood of all believers we believe. 
There are people wanting to come for prayer. Let's together gather as His people and pray for each other. Come, everything's prepared. If you want to pray for someone, do it right now. I encourage you to come down and pray for someone. You rose in victory and now you're seated forever on the throne. So why should my heart fear what you've defeated? I will trust in you alone. Cause there's no prison wall you can't break through. No mountain you can't move. All things are possible. And there's no broken body you can raise. No soul that you can't save All things are possible The darkest night You can light it up You can light it up Oh God of revival Let hope arise Death is overcome And you've already won Come awaken your people. Come awaken your city. Come awaken your people. Come awaken your city. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every struggle will crumble. I hear the chains hit the ground. Oh God of revival, pour it out.
that for every wayward child or, or separated marriage, God, You would bring Your love and Your grace to that situation, that You would bring broken families and broken homes back together in Your Name, Lord Jesus. God, for every hurting heart, You would bring, be like a soothing balm to them. God, for our workplaces, when it feels like our faith isn't put to work, God, use us to be an answer to prayer today. God, use us to speak into the lives of our workmates, to see just outcomes, but also to see people's lives change and come to faith. And God, for places in our world like Afghanistan, places like Haiti that are doing it so tough right now, every person who's suffering under the weight of COVID-19, God, we pray You bring Your Holy Spirit by Your power, Lord Jesus, to bring a change into people's lives. They might know you and put you first, but also to be an answer to prayer for people around them. This week we pray in Jesus' name. Friends, there's still time to pray online or here in the room. If you'd like to come for prayer, we have a prayer team here who would love to pray for you. But my encouragement to us as God's people this week is to be an answer to prayer by the Holy Spirit for someone this week. Put your faith to work by stepping out in prayer for someone else. So friends, go and be some good news this week. I wanna thank you for joining us here at church today. But if you're not finished, there'll be more prayer happening down the front. But I encourage you to join us for a cup, cup, cup of coffee in the service after. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you, or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.